Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, good morning, Valley Church. I like the sound of that. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning. I'm going to start off asking a question. How many of you have ever wanted a fresh start at something? A fresh start at life? A fresh start in your job? Okay, many hands out there. I think a lot of us want fresh starts in life, but often we feel stuck and we don't know where to begin to have that fresh start. Today we're actually going to have a fresh start, starting a brand new series in the book of Joshua. And I absolutely love this book. I love the whole Bible, but there is so much packed into this book of Joshua. If you came in this morning, you should have received from the guest services team a bookmark that has a reading plan on it. Do you guys have those? Maybe hold them up. If you didn't get one, make sure you get one before you leave today. Because in this series, we're going to be reading through the book of Joshua together as a church family. Now, something I forgot to put on the bookmark is a theme verse that we have. But it is on your handout for today. We have a verse, Joshua 1.9. It says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And what we want you to do with that theme verse is memorize it. One of the most important things that we can do is to hide God's word deep in our hearts. So memorize it throughout this series. Say it daily. Maybe do it with your spouse. Do it with a friend. Do it as a whole family together. And um, join us with this reading plan. But before we go any further, would you join me in prayer? I want to cover our time together in God's words. Father God, will you make us to know your ways, O Lord? Teach us your paths and lead us in your truth. For you are the God of our salvation, and for you we will wait all the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to begin, I want to give you some historical context for the book of Joshua. So, for the first part of the message this morning, I'm going to summarize a lot of Joshua's earlier life, but then we're going to spend the rest of the message this morning in Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 1 or maybe your phone's with you. Turn to Joshua chapter 1 and we'll get there. But before we do, I'm going to give you a little bit of context about Joshua. So we're going to start with the question, who is Joshua? Who is this man that I'm so excited to teach you about this morning? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to go back to the beginning of the Old Testament. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. 
In Genesis 12, we find that God made a covenant with a man named Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham. And he promised Abraham that he was going to make a great nation out of him. He promised Abraham that he was going to have descendants that were as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, except there was a problem because Abram and his wife Sarah were not able to have children. So how was he supposed to multiply all these descendants? Well, God knew what he was doing, and very late in their life, when they were in their 90s, if any of you can imagine this, getting pregnant for the first time, God blesses them with a son, Isaac. And then Isaac goes on to get married. He has children. And this nation of Israel starts to multiply. Now we're going to move forward a bit in time. And you find the nation of Israel, God's people enslaved in Egypt. And then God raises up a leader named Moses to lead them out of their slavery and into the promised land thus fulfilling his covenant with Abraham from years before. Now Moses had a servant during this time, and Moses' servant was Joshua. The book of Joshua is not the first time that Joshua is mentioned. Joshua was well known among the people of Israel as Moses' servant, and he was a source of encouragement and support for Moses. The first time you actually read of Joshua is in Exodus chapter 17. In Exodus 17, you find Joshua leading the army of Israel to defeat the Amalekites as Moses lifted his hands in prayer. And the first time Joshua is mentioned in the Bible, we see him as a military leader. He's leading Israel to victory over the Amalekites. Then we go forward a couple chapters, Exodus 24, Joshua joined Moses, Aaron, and the 70 elders on the mountain of God. Then Exodus chapter 32, Joshua is on the mountain with Moses when he hears the people worshiping the golden calf. And then we get to Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, and we learn that Joshua, Moses' servant, spent a great amount of time in the tent of meeting. What was the tent of meeting? Well, it was the tent outside the camp of Israel where Moses would go to speak with God and to hear with God. And Joshua would go with him. Now, Exodus 33:11 reads, So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now I want to stop here for a bit because there is much to learn from Joshua in this one verse. Really, it could be summed up in two words. Joshua stayed. Joshua stayed. After Moses was done speaking with God, he would leave the tent, but it says Joshua would not depart. He stayed and he quietly sought God's presence in the background. And what you don't see right away is that Joshua's isolation was his preparation. 
All that time he spent alone in God's presence was preparing him for something greater. He just didn't know what that was yet. Now, sometimes this can be true in our own lives. God isolates us for a season to prepare us for something ahead. That was true in my own life. The first few months when we lived in Michigan, I struggled with some depression. And I wondered why God moved us there. What was he doing? I tried seeking out friendships right away, but they were not happening as quickly as I wanted them to. But I realize now, when I think back, that God was purposely trying to hold me back so that I would spend more time alone with him in that season. One day specifically, I remember um, having a conversation with God. The first few months we lived in Michigan, I painted my house top to bottom. You can ask Jonathan. I was frustrated, so I was like, what I can do is paint this house, get it looking really nice. And I listened to lots of preaching podcasts. I spent time in prayer, and I had a lot of conversations with God. One day I was feeling extra frustrated with where I was at in life. And I was questioning God, and I had a conversation with God in my head that went something like this. God, why did you bring us up here? And God revealed to me, precious, is it worth it if one life is changed? And my response was, of course, Of course it is. It is always worth it if one life is changed. But I wasn't prepared for what God showed and revealed to me next. Because then God revealed, is it worth it if that life is yours? What? What I didn't realize until later was that another part of God taking us up there was to actually somewhat isolate me for a season so that he could prepare me for the next season of ministry he was calling me to. Was I willing to live in that place of isolation and truly seek his heart and his words of truth in that season? Now, I see in this verse, Joshua craved this time alone in the presence of God. It says he would not depart from the tent. So to help understand this concept even further, think with me about things that we crave in life. We crave fame. We crave riches. We crave power. We crave food. We crave relationships. And one silly but not so silly thing for me is chocolate. I crave chocolate. And it's not a good day when I'm walking through my house craving chocolate and I cannot find it anywhere. Do I have any other chocolate lovers out there? Okay, thank you. Maybe I'll share some of this with you after. 
Now, even though that is a silly illustration, it begs the question, what am I craving after in life? I can't live without. And then asking a follow-up question, do I crave time in the presence of God as much as I crave chocolate or other meaningless things in my life? Ask yourself those same questions. What are you craving after in life? Joshua learned to seek and crave time alone with God, and God wasn't wasting that time. God was using that time to prepare Joshua for what lay ahead. What was God preparing him for? Well, we don't find out in the books of Exodus or Leviticus. It actually isn't made totally clear until we get to the books of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then even more so in Joshua. You see, all those years leading up to Israel moving into the promised land, God is preparing Joshua for a new role, eventually moving him from servant to leader the leader of Israel. And the next time you read of Joshua is in Numbers 13. More preparation is happening for him even through this. In Numbers 13, Joshua is listed as one of the 12 spies that God told Moses to send into the land. And out of those 12 men, two, Joshua and a man named Caleb, were the only voices who came back with faith, believing God was going to go before them and urging Israel to go into the promised land. The other 10 men came back living in great fear. They saw giants in the land, and their fear spread like wildfire through the camp of Israel. The Israelites begin to crumble and complain against God saying words like, we should have just stayed in Egypt. And they actually started making plans to appoint a leader to take them back into slavery. Absolutely crazy. There was no faith in God to do the impossible for them. And in Numbers 14, 7 through 10, we find Joshua and Caleb standing up to the people of Israel and speaking truth to them. These verses say, And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection is gone from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Joshua and Caleb had faith and believed that God would be faithful to his covenant promise and clear the way before them, while the other ten spies and the whole rest of Israel did not. 
the people of Israel were even going to stone Joshua and Caleb because of their faith. Then God rebukes the nation of Israel because of their lack of faith. They mourn over their sin. Then they decide the next morning that they're going to go and they're going to take the promised land in their own strength. And at the end of Numbers 14, we find many of them were struck down and defeated by the Amalekites and the Canaanites because God was not with them. And as a result of Israel's lack of faith, God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation of people died except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Then we get to Numbers 27. After God told Moses he would not enter the land, God also told Moses, set Joshua apart for my spirit is in him, and he's going to lead Israel into the promised land. Verses 22 to 23 show Moses and the priests laying hands on Joshua. Then in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses speaks often about Joshua taking his place as Israel's leader. And he even tells Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. And these words will repeat again in Joshua chapter 1. So, okay, whole summary, we finally have made it to Joshua chapter 1. So join with me as we start reading this chapter. Joshua 1 says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. We're going to pause here. Moses has just died, and God comes to move Joshua from servant to leader. Notice right away those two words I used to describe Joshua. Servant, leader. Joshua had proven his ability to lead because of his servant heart to Moses all those years before. You never minus the aspect of servant when it comes to leadership. They always should go together. Joshua is known as a servant leader. Could the same be said of you? Are you known as a servant leader? Not only was Joshua Moses' servant, more importantly, he knew that he was God's servant. When God commissioned Joshua to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, I love this. In verse chapter, or, or, uh, sorry, one, chapter 1, verse 1, um, if you notice when it says LORD, it is in all caps which means 
Um, this is God's covenant name in the Hebrew. It's his name, Yahweh. And he used his name, his covenant name, to remind Joshua of the covenant promise he made to Abraham hundreds of years before. You see, the entire book of Joshua is a picture of what and who was to come in the New Testament. Now, an important thing you should know about Joshua is in regards to his name. The name Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And Jesus' name in Hebrew was Yeshua, which translates to English as Joshua. So really, Joshua is the same name as Jesus. Joshua is what we would call a type of Christ. And as we go through this series and you read through the book of Joshua on your own, be on the lookout for parallels between Joshua and Jesus. Now look with me at verse 3, because verse 3 has specific wording in it that is important to note. And this is the first parallel that I see in regards to the gospel. When God said in verse 3, I have given it to you. The word have is used to show possession of something. So what God was saying to Joshua is, I already possess that land, Joshua, and I am giving it to you. As in, it's already been done. You just have to go and take it. Now the parallel comes when you look to the New Testament and know that your debt for sin has already been paid in full by Jesus. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God when he came down to this earth and he died a sinner's death so that you would be forgiven of your sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You and I, we deserve death for our sin. But God, in his kindness, his grace, his love, and his mercy, gifted you eternal life through Jesus. Jesus went before you and paid the debt that you owed. There is nothing that you can do to inherit or earn eternal life. Many people think that they can work their way into heaven by doing good things, but you can't. It's already been done for you. Jesus did it all. You remember the last words Jesus spoke on the cross? Three words. It is finished. Meaning it is done. It is completed. There is nothing left to do. All that's left for you and I is to receive the gift and take it for ourselves. Jesus bought you eternal life by sacrificing his life Will you receive that gift? You see, Jesus 
was the better Joshua who came to lead us into the promised land of heaven. And all over in this book, you see glimpses of what was to come, and you can see the gospel interwoven throughout. So continue on with me in verses 5 through 9. God said to Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Those are encouraging, comforting words that God spoke to Joshua. And I see three things in these verses. The first thing I see is that God told Joshua that he was never sending him alone, but that he would always go with him just as he did with Moses. If you are a follower of Jesus here today, I want to encourage you that when God calls you or commissions you or sends you, he always goes with you. And we are reminded of that again in the New Testament. Here's another little parallel to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 when Jesus said, I will never desert you nor will I ever abandon you so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So God told Joshua, Joshua, I'm going with you. You're not going alone. The second thing I see is that God reminds Joshua three times in these verses to be strong and courageous. You know, even though Joshua was a military leader and he was Moses' servant all those years, I can't help but think that Joshua may have struggled with feeling timid or fearful or insecure with this new position that God was placing him in. And I believe that is why God spoke these words to him three times. Now, I was a little intrigued as to why God would say this to Joshua three times. So I decided to look up the meaning behind the number three. The number three in Hebrew is the word shalosh, which means harmony, new life, and completeness. Three is also a symbol of something that is solid, 
real, and significant. And the number three appears on everything that is truly exceptional. Omniscience, omnipresence, as well as omnipotence, that's all knowing, all present, and all powerful. Those are three of God's characteristics. And past, present, and future are the three major divisions of time. So you may be wondering, like, okay, that's great, like all that meaning. But what I believe God was telling Joshua in saying that three times to him is, Joshua, remember who I, God, am. Because I am solid. God is complete. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. God was going to bring new life for his people Israel. And because God knows the past, the present, and the future, Joshua could fully trust God in this new role that he was calling him to. You see, courage and strength would not come from Joshua. Courage and strength come from communing with God. To commune, it means to converse or talk together with profound intensity and intimacy. Follower of Jesus, I want to remind you that your courage and strength come from communing with God. That is why it is important for followers of Jesus to spend time in isolation alone with God so they, they can commune deeply with him. You know, isolation can often be viewed as negative, like a negative word, but in this case, some isolation in God's presence is good for followers of Jesus. Because courage and strength never come from you. They come from God. And number three, the last thing I see is that God told Joshua the reading, the study, and the meditation of Scripture was to be a priority in Joshua's life. But it wasn't supposed to stop there. It was to be obeyed and to be lived out every day. Pick it up with me in verses 10 through 11. It says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. Really quick, Joshua tells Israel in verse 11, In three days... There's that number three again. In three days, you are going to cross the Jordan and finally take possession of the promised land. Then move on, 12 through 15. It says, to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. 
but you shall cross before your brothers in battle array all your valiant warriors and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. So what just happened here in these verses? Well, Joshua is specifically, sorry, you awake. I can't talk. He specifically addresses two and a half tribes. These tribes had gotten permission earlier to settle on the east side of the Jordan River and land that Israel had already conquered. And you find that account in Numbers 32. But these tribes had made a promise that when the time came for Israel to cross the Jordan River and take possession of the promised land, they said, we will be there to help and be a part of it all. So here Joshua is reminding them of their promise, and he's calling them to action. This same principle here, this same principle operates in the body of Christ within the church. Because when one member has a need, it is the common need of the whole body. We should never refuse to help a brother or sister in need just because our own state is settled. Unity within the body of Christ, within Jesus' church, is something that he prayed for when he was on this earth in John 17. He prayed that we would be unified. And we see unity happening among the whole nation of Israel as they prepare to go in and finally possess this land that God had promised to them hundreds of years before. Lastly, Joshua reminds the people what God promised to them in this land. Verse 13, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest. Rest is a key theme throughout this book of Joshua. Joshua was finally bringing Israel to rest. And when you look forward into the New Testament, you find another parallel knowing that Jesus is our true rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. When you come to Jesus, you find true rest. Finish out the chapter, the last three verses. They answered Joshua saying, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I love the response of these tribes in these last two verses because it is spot on. They affirmed Joshua's leadership in his new role given by God. 
And you know, some of Joshua's fear or insecurity could have come from how he thought the nation of Israel would respond to him as their new leader. Because these people had been under the leadership of Moses for over 40 years. And Moses left big shoes to fill. But these men close out chapter 1 by repeating the same words God had spoken to Joshua. It was as if these men were blessing Joshua and reminding him again, Joshua, keep seeking God's heart because that is where your courage and your strength will come from as you lead us forward in faith. Now as we end... I want to remind you that it is important for us to remember who the words be strong and courageous were originally given to. They weren't given to you and I. They were originally spoken to Joshua. A lot of people in the world try to claim scripture for themselves when they're fearful or they're discouraged But it is very important that we always look back and read scripture in context. Who is this originally spoken to? And the only way that you can be strong and courageous is because Jesus, who is the better Joshua, he came and gave his life as a sacrifice so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin and granted access to the promised land of heaven. It is only through Jesus that you can be strong and courageous. Remember, courage and strength come from communing with God. So we end Joshua chapter 1 with Israel about to have a fresh start, a new beginning in life. And many of us said this morning, We would like to have a fresh start in life too. Now, how do we get there? I think there are three things that we need to recognize. So I want to leave and challenge you with three ways to have a fresh start. And if you got a bulletin handout this morning, this is where your sermon notes will come into play. You can fill these out. Number one, fresh starts are given because God is faithful to his word. Fresh starts are not given because we are faithful, but because God is always faithful to his word. Israel failed multiple times in their faithfulness to God, but God was always patient with them, and he was faithful to his covenant promise. God's timing is not always our timing. Many have wondered why Jesus hasn't returned yet. Like, why hasn't he come back? It's a great time for Jesus just to come back and take us to heaven to be with him. But I believe that it is because he is patiently waiting for all people to come to repentance. And he is being faithful to his word. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but he is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 
God is being faithful to his word. Number two, fresh starts begin with repentance. We talk about this word a lot here in our church, and we believe it's because repentance is so powerful and crucial. Repentance is doing a 180 from the direction you were going, turning from sin and self, and turning to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Recognize that you have nothing in and of yourself to save you from your sin, which leads to death. And as followers of Jesus, we are still called to live in daily repentance. Can I ask you, brothers and sisters, what sin struggle are you still holding on to that you need to repent of, let go of, and turn to Jesus? Do it right now. Don't wait. Have a conversation with God Before you leave today, find a trusted brother or sister. Reach out to them. Ask them to help hold you accountable. We need to challenge each other to daily live in repentance. Living in repentance is a humbling place to live, but it is a good place for followers of Jesus to live because Jesus said when you live in that place, then you will be able to bear fruit for his kingdom. Matthew 3.8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It is a daily choice that you make to turn from sin and self to the Savior. That's how fresh starts begin with repentance. And number three, Fresh starts begin by spending time in God's presence where you gain the courage and strength to believe in him for the impossible. I think that's why Joshua was able to have the faith that God would go before them into the promised land because he spent time alone in God's presence. He had the faith to believe God could do anything. One of my life verses that has meant a lot to me is Psalm 73:28. And it says, "But as for me, the nearness of God is good for me. I have made the Lord God my refuge so that I may tell of all your works." Do you believe that? Do you believe The nearness of God is good for you? Do you believe he is your refuge? Because when you live close to him, spending time with him, you will have many stories in your life to tell of God's faithfulness and his goodness. Maybe you are here today And you are a follower of Jesus. You've been following Jesus. You're a disciple of his. But you still struggle with fear, insecurity, with doubt about where God has you in life. Or maybe even something you know he is calling you to. My encouragement for you 
is to keep spending time alone in the presence of God and communing deeply with him. Because practicing the presence of God will remind you of your purpose. And what is your purpose on earth? We were created to bring glory to God. Not to ourselves or anybody else, to God alone. That is your purpose. Your courage and strength come from spending time alone with him. That may mean isolating yourself for a season so you can truly seek God's heart and his will for your life. But you never know. Your isolation may be your preparation for something that lays ahead that you don't even know what it is yet. Will you all bow your heads with me as we close? If you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, but you are struggling right now, maybe with some of those things I mentioned earlier, with fear, insecurity, with doubt, and you would like some prayer to overcome those to look to God, to have the faith to believe in him for the impossible. If this is you, would you just slip your hand in the air right now? If you're struggling in some way. Yes, I see your hands. I want to pray for you today. It is my honor to lift you up as a brother or sister to Jesus Christ Father God, I lift up these brothers and sisters to you right now who may feel confused, fearful, or insecure, struggling with doubt. God, will you meet them right where they are at and speak your words of truth to them? Help them to make time daily to commune with you and sanctify and transform them in your truth. Help them to live humble, repentant lives as they look to you, the author and the perfecter of their faith. And Father, will you reveal to them in your perfect timing just what you are calling them to and help them to live in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, maybe there are some of you thinking, Precious, I want to start a relationship with God. I just don't know how or where to begin. I have some verses for you. Romans 10, 9 through 10 say, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Friends, it really is as simple as using your words and confessing to Jesus that you can't save yourself. You need him and his forgiveness for your sin. If you recognize that you need a Savior today and you've never asked Jesus to save you, would you slip your hand into the air right now? 
If you would like to place your faith in Jesus alone to save you, and you can repeat this prayer after me, Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. I admit that I am a sinner, and I need you to save me. I believe that you died and rose again to satisfy God's wrath against my sin. Will you save me and give me eternal life in heaven with you? I give you all of me and declare at this moment that you are Lord in my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand to worship as we close out this morning and This song is going to be a theme song for our series through Joshua and just the faith that Joshua displayed. God calls us to have that same kind of faith. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.